the Ninja Rob Podcast with Marco Perazzo and Tim Carpenter. The podcast for the true martial artist. Here we are again, buddy. Episode 36. Season 1. Ninja Rob Podcast. Still season 1? Still season 1. When is season 1 over? At, at episode 52. Oh, uh, okay. We'll go, our seasons run on a year cycle. One episode a week. Calendar year. Julian calendar. So it's going to start from one again in season two? Season two, two we'll go back to episode one. Yeah. Okay. So you're never going to have like an episode 356 like other podcasts? Or like the UFC. No. <laughs> okay. Does UFC still count? Their numbers? Yeah, I think the last one was 246. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, yeah. So I keep telling everybody, I was like, you know, I started training jiu-jitsu at UFC one. Did you really? UFC number one, yeah. Huh? yeah I think what? I was four. Years old? Now UFC four is when uh, that ah, was so the last one out when I started. So training. you're you're new to the game. Yeah, um, I know it was probably like five. It was five. I'm trying to figure out how people found out about it before they saw the first UFC. Like what was Jiu-Jitsu? it? Yeah, like the black belt magazine ads. Like how did? Because there were dudes going to Brazil back in the day. Remember Craig Kukuk was one of the guys that went down there that they had found jujitsu. Before the internet, before I thought TV. it was like a white newsletter that they sent only to white people <laughs> that uh, you guys got. Yeah, Black Belt Magazine. <laughs> Tim, Tim is uh, Tim is part of a few white only newsletters, but they're... yeah, we don't get that. We don't, we don't get that. Oh, happy uh, Martin Luther King Day! Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Pre- appreciate it. We've we've come a long way. Yeah, you know he's uh, responsible for one of. He the, would love this. Yeah, people, we all, people well yeah he, he would a podcast together unbelievable was his dream well his dream kind of changed after that but cool yeah <laughs> they don't talk about that I'm, <laughs> wait, wait, I'm, I'm pretty sure that on what did his dream change to he became a little bit more like malcolm after uh, a little more militant yeah because he realized that it wasn't <laughs> they was like they don't fuck with us <laughs> Hey Tim, any uh, any luck getting into becoming a five percenter? Or? Oh, I did find out some more information about that. Oh, a, really? a guy, a guy messaged me. You know him. Um, he messaged me. He said uh, he's a CEO in prison, mm-hmm. and he said he talked to a five percenter and asked him before this. Before he didn't just go on our behalf. <laughs> and the answer was no. No, he said he said they can be an associate, but when the race war happens, pick your dead. side. I'm dead. Really? So I could I could probably like hang out with them and during just, times of peace you're good. Yeah, but when the race war comes, I'm gonna have to. Well, I mean, I mean, if it's a race war, then you know. Apparently, you're you're ready for the race war. With my new gun. Or, or all kinds. Of, listen to this thing that he just picked up. My, uh, I guess it's called. I guess it'd just be a short, short barrel shotgun. It's considered a firearm, but it looks like a sawed off shotgun. Hmm. Fourteen inches. So as a way of. Uh, is against the law, but not against the law. Well, you it's, were explaining yesterday. What, what's the story with this with this firearm? So, if you were to buy a, a shotgun and saw it off, yes, I know that's hundred percent illegal yes. everywhere in the United States. But if uh, this this the company's realizing if you just manufacture the shotgun, so if the smaller, manufacturer saws the barrel down, well, no, they just manu- they can't saw it down. They just make it a shorter one. You know? Stupid as fuck. In essence, sawing it down. Why? 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 It's the same thing. Oh, but it, but no, no. 
it's illegal for you to modify, modify. it. Oh, I mean, and I make understand it. that. That's it. They it's saw actually, it off so that you can creep it around easier instead of having like the dudes I grew up with that walked with a limp, but really right. it was a shotgun down right. their leg the whole time. But right. you can you can actually legally you can saw it off, but you have to get go through a process and get a special permit to do it. But I wonder how many people have ever done that. Not many. Mm. Not many. I most of the people with sawed off shotguns probably have not gone through the process. Now, <laughs> <laughs> did you get paperwork? Yeah, with it, your it, shotgun? Come, it comes with a letter from the government saying that it's legal. You got a letter from the government? From the government. Wow. Yeah. I fucked up that Chuck D lyric last week, by the way. <laughs> For those of you that are going to say something, I realized what I did. Anyway, so what? The, who manufactures this uh, firearm? Mossberg. Actually, Mossberg, I think there a lot of companies make them now. Now, what uh, was this? A, did you... Just like, oh, that looks cool. Let me buy it. Or did you do I've some always, research? Since I was a little kid, I wanted a sawed-off shotgun. You'd be like Omar in The Wire. Just walking around, big trench coat. Is that what he had? Yeah. I'm not like anything like Omar in The Wire. Why not? <laughs> There's no similarities between me and Omar. How From, so? What are, you, what, are you, what are you driving at? Well, we look different. Okay. That's we have one, different preferences. Of preferences of what? Um, lifestyles. Such as? He was a criminal. And you're not? Wait, a you... criminal. Wait... You've had charges criminal. thrown on you. Not a criminal. I don't know. I've had char charges thrown at me. Yes. None have stuck. <laughs> Doesn't mean you're not a criminal. It, actually, it does. To be considered a criminal, oh. I think you have to be convicted okay. of a crime. All right. I just want to. This is on the record. Yeah. I just want to make sure as as arguments come up later in our text thread, I want to refer back to this. That I'm not a criminal. That you're not a criminal, and as long as you have not been convicted of a crime, you're not a criminal. Correct. Okay. Just yeah. making sure. Have I ever said otherwise? I just want to have that on the record. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Mossberg shotgun, you and Omar from The Wire, very similar in a lot of aspects of your life. <laughs> a lot of things we like to do. <laughs> no. So uh, you said, does it have a laser sight on it? It does have a laser sight. Because the, the range I shoot at, you have to, if you shoot a shotgun there, you have to have a sight on it. But isn't the point... So what kind of uh, shells are you getting for the shotgun? Because... Wouldn't, you know, you just, it's like a point and shoot, you know, it's not. Well, I mean, that's what they say, but it's not really, it doesn't really work that way. Like with, if you have like buckshot or birdshot in it, it'll spread out a little bit more than a one bullet. Right. But if you put like a slug in it. Right, right. Then you have to be a I little think, more like accurate. People call them the pumpkin ball. Pumpkin ball? Pumpkin ball. Who calls them that? You never heard it called a pumpkin ball? Omar call it that? No, no, no. No, I never heard it called yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So, Mossberg, what's a. What's but I was a, looking into some, they make it exotic uh shotgun ammo so you can get it that shoots like flaming pellets you can get shotgun shells that shoot like little blades and nails out of them anything that shoots confetti <laughs> <laughs> there's a combination of like a a slug with buckshot behind it so Just, you get you get the best of both worlds <laughs> or the, depending on who's on what yeah. end the, the worst of both worlds no but i'm getting into guns again you have a few you I have a few yeah, yeah. but I, I haven't been uh shooting regularly so you have some handguns. I have a handgun. Okay. And two shotguns. What uh, what kind of handgun do you have? An HK 40, 40 caliber. 40 caliber HK. Nice. Good stopping power there. That's what they say. I mean. You never had to stop anybody with it. I haven't stopped anybody with it. So right. I, hopefully I never do. And the. Uh, you ever shoot a gun? I have. Yeah. You have Cra any guns? Crack shot. No. Interestingly enough. You should. Especially where you live. What are you talking about? South Philly. I'm a very safe neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, just found a little 
this unfortunately some young woman was found dead in a basement in a house about four blocks from me. How did that happen? She died. Of? Who knows? She'd been missing. Likely, if I had to was guess. Was it her house or somebody else's somebody house? Somebody else's house. <laughs> in what would be considered, if you live in South Philly and you live in one of two neighborhoods, either Packer Park or Girard Estate. Mm-hmm. Those you're are like, nice. Those are really nice. Yeah. So she was found in a basement of a house in Girard Estate. Mm. So they're young so girl, old lady, eighteen, had been missing. That's young. Very young. Uh, believe that there were drugs involved, likely drugs, and they were. They said they were selling drugs out of the house. Reports of human trafficking. It's all very interesting to happen in a. That word gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's just thrown like. So rather than saying like she was a prostitute. Right, or she was. They're, they're or, saying she was human trafficked. Or, or as our dear friends would say, she was out there tricking. Right. Yeah. Like, let's just call it what it is. She's selling her body for heroin. Right. Likely. Most I, if likely. this is what we could, I don't know if this is what happened to her. Because like, if she was, if she was selling her own body for heroin, is she human trafficking herself? No. Because human trafficking some, to me sounds like you're carrying people through other countries. Again, and, I'm going to reference the wire. Like when you bring somebody in a container or bring a group of Polish girls in a container right. to bring them here to force them into prostitution That's as slaves. Agreed. This was a woman that was a sex worker, likely, mm-hmm. or maybe not, but whoever that does is a sex worker who is doing it to fund her drug A habit. prostitute. A sex worker. Well, okay. <laughs> What's the difference? Um... Well, a prostitute, a sex worker is making it sound like it's a professional, like well, maybe she like does a legitimate take, profession. Well, maybe she does take a professional attitude to it. Maybe, um, it's just you know, let's, let's but, call things now, what they are. You said this the other day in your study of um, serial killers mm-hmm. that sex workers are very easy targets, or prostitutes are very yeah. easy targets, and if this woman was a sex worker. I don't, I'm not saying that this guy or these people were were uh, were serial killers, but she's at the margins, right? People yeah. either do or don't care about her, and there's only a few people that care about her. Because, but there was enough people that cared about her to recognize she was missing. Maybe yes. she was new to the game. Might might have been, but also not enough where they intervened at different points to hopefully prevent that from happening. Right? I don't know, man. It's, it sucks, you know, like going down that path of. I would hate to see a parent have to suffer through what this girl's mom is suffering through. Yeah. And I believe this, she had a daughter, this girl had a daughter too. So, you know, more, more lives are affected. Terrible. Yeah. When I was leaving balance the other day with uh meathead, Matt, we got approached by some. A sex fa- worker. No, no, no. Well, he might've been, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but a, uh, a Kenzo who at some point in his life will probably be a target of a, uh, a serial killer. Because he was all messed up, and he's telling us about designer drugs and how he had been touched when he was four years old. Mm. And then I saw him underneath the L arguing with a woman that looked like could have been his mother. And from the looks of it, it's like she might have been the person that, or he, she might be the person he gets high with. Yeah, yeah. They, they always always have company. It's that's just I don't understand other than the people that go from opiates, say legit opiates, right, that are prescribed because of injuries, mm-hmm. that tra- that jump over into heroin, I kind of understand. 
I don't get how people just jump right into shoving a needle into their arm. I don't think they usually jump into the needle. I think they start by snorting it. Okay. Yeah, usually I think they start by snorting it. Is this your experience? I think that's usually what happens. Okay. Yeah. And then once, and then I think they graduate into the shooting because it's a little bit quicker and more effective. Feels like the big issue is uh, legit opiates prescribed. People continue to take them a little bit longer than they need to take them and then get hooked and it's easier to buy heroin than it is to get legit opiates. Um, it's cheaper. Heroin's way cheaper. Right. And I think fentanyl's even like cheaper than heroin. Right. But the big issue is people don't have control over their actions. That's yeah. the main issue. Right. Because there's most people that take opiates do not become heroin addicts. Most people prescribed opiates never become heroin addicts so i all right i can like believe opiates that get prescribed to thousands of people right but how many heroin addicts were former opiate users i don't know but you, you were pretty strong on your stats before these are well, these are the stats i'm looking for yeah go find them don't or ask just, me because oh, well, they don't bolster your argument well i don't care okay my argument is people should be able to control their own actions okay that's my argument you know it's not, it's not that difficult to not end up. You have to work pretty hard to end up on the under Kensington Avenue shooting heroin. It takes with your, with your mom, right? Yeah, it takes a lot of work to get there, you know. And you could just avoid a few things and not end up there. Yeah, that's my opinion. Okay, but not that I don't have a. I don't have much sympathy, but I have empathy. Did you have any empathy during the crack epidemic? Yeah, yeah, I have empathy for anybody that's going through a rough time but really? I don't, but i don't sympathize like i'm not i don't feel bad because For the they listeners that don't know the difference between sympathy and empathy empathy is you understand how people feel sympathy is you actually care or like feel bad about it you know what i mean right I so empathy would be more of a logical understanding of their plight hmm? oh no, no i'm kind of yeah i understand it. how it can happen right and i under, and i also understand like it would be terrible to be there and that's why i try my best right. not to end yeah. up like that you know because those kinds of problems you can get addicted to anything like like me and you like we get addicted to like you know we, we're addicted to sous vide steaks right now <laughs> you know what i mean yes we just haven't tried heroin like are, if we tried heroin we would probably become those are i tell you i avoid certain things like i love caffeine mm -hmm. and i know if i take it one step further yeah it's bad like methamphetamine so that's a and this, you're a perfect example of uh what i my belief is because you won't try any drug right because you know from your past experiences with yeah. certain things that yeah. that you have a very addictive personality and you don't even want to risk it people places things for sure right. yeah yeah no and it's it can be very scary because certain stuff is awesome like right now i haven't had unless it's been like collaterally added to it any sugar for about three weeks mm -hmm. wow i i walk I could just sniff sugar 15 feet away now. It's amazing mm -hmm. how how strong. And if you were to taste like a soda, it would be like almost sickening to you. Like after, once you like kind of got it out of your system and you taste the soda, it's right. like disgusting. See, drinking a kombucha? As he comes in drinking a snap. Oh, the snap. <laughs> I thought maybe he went, he, he went and had a kombucha. He's like, what the fuck's a kombucha? I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the idea of restraint and self-control is super strong but some people 
don't have either the support mechanisms within themselves, internal or external, to be able to do that. Yeah. Now, I sent the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, clip from the Joe Rogan podcast to you. Mm -hmm. I thought it was real interesting because Robert Downey Jr. was on. I think he's a fa fabulous actor, Iron Man, all the other movies he's been in. I think he's, I think he's great. So I think he's an interesting dude because here's a guy that was at the top of the game when he was a young man, had a crazy drug habit, went, became sober, and then reinvented himself. What was his drug? Was he cracking coke? Uh, I think back in the day, everybody was cracking coke. Yeah. As we I looked think at it Devin, was like everything. Yeah. Yeah. He probably had all the good stuff too in Hollywood. They got wasn't the, people back then doing like speed and shit like that too. Well, speed is, I mean, speed could just be caffeine. For real? Like caffeine pills can be considered speed. Oh. But usually it's like, like Adderall is like, uh, it's like a form of methamphetamine. It's right. like a, that's what's usually considered speed. Oh. So I was listening to some of the clips because I don't listen to Rogan's whole podcast. It's just too, it goes on too long. But on YouTube, they, they usually throw up pretty interesting clips. And I'm listening to Robert Downey Jr. because I just appreciate him as, a, as an artist, as an actor. And in one of the clips, he goes, yeah, you know, and then I'll go train. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting use of language. Because right? most people, my argument is that most people that either do CrossFit or go to the gym or do whatever, don't say the word train. They say, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to lift. I'm going to do CrossFit. Most of the time where I hear people say they train or I'm going to go train, it's usually in a martial arts mm -hmm. uh, aspect or environment. I don't know. Do you, do you get the same? Powerlifters say they train. Okay. Like like competitive lifters, people that are into like like real, like they are training because they're training for like a competitive sport. Right. I think anybody that is getting doing it for a sport is training. And if you're doing it to be in shape, you're just lifting or working out. Right. You know. So I've heard competitors say they get. And I, I likely have not come across as many competitive weightlifters as mm -hmm. you have just because I haven't spent that same amount of time in the gym. So it made me think. I was like, oh, I wonder if he does martial arts or I thought he was doing jiu-jitsu. And during one of his clips, he's talking to Joe Rogan about how right after his sobriety, he got involved in kung fu, wing chun, and referencing... Tradition, traditional wing chun. Tra traditional wing chun, yeah. And he was just talking about the martial, the benefits of the martial arts, number one, in his sobriety... But number two, in all every other aspect of his life. Oh, Tim's the look on Tim's face was like bullshit. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, do you, I know you, you're thinking that what he does is bullshit. Like, no, 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 no. I, like, I think it's, I, I think he's full of shit. Like, I, I hate. Go ahead. Just like the way he was talking about it was like very annoying to me. Like he was, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't describe it, but it, his um, vulnerability and opening up about I don't think his he was martial being arts. I think he was telling Joe Rogan what he wanted to hear. He's an actor. He knows how to pretend to be mm. what people want him to be. Deep. But I also believe I don't I'm not doubting that training martial arts has helped him because he's a, he's an addict. He just replaced his addiction to drugs. Like the the, the, the addiction to drugs said, is yeah. filling like a hole in his life where he had no excitement. And now he has something to sort of focus on. He sees, he's getting it. He even said, he's like, there's a grading system. He's getting a reward from it, a constant right. reward from it. Um, it's challenging. So I, I definitely believe it helped him. But I mean, I just, he's going to have one of the biggest challenges ever in his life. And I wonder what the reward systems would be. You know, he's going to play Martin Luther King in a new movie, right? Nah. -uh. Yes. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. No, no, no sure. you're confusing him with the. He's going to play a dude. No, no, you're that thinking. A dude. You think, you're thinking of Sergeant Osiris. <laughs> <laughs> he's Wait. gonna play a dude who's playing a dude. dude. 
What do you Wait. mean, you people? Yeah. Wait, Robert Downey Jr. is playing one of the, I don't know what's going on. I think he's fucking with you. Cause, okay. Because oh, oh, the other <laughs> clip that they did, they, they talked about is he, he likely probably did the last accepted blackface in Hollywood. The only accepted where everybody fucks with it. Right. Like, he and was I, a black dude. He was the dude playing the dude. In Tropic Thunder. I didn't. I wasn't that impressed with his performance in that. I I will say it was ballsy. It was for him to do. How is it ballsy? How's, how's it ballsy what? for an actor? I mean, Whoa. he's he's oh. doing what he's told to do. He's getting paid millions of dollars to. Man, this is this is going to show up on this newsletter that they pass around to each other. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, what's ballsy about it? He didn't I mean, write it. No, it's not to, the point. to do it. It's ballsy. The the ballsy person is the director and the casting person. That was like, I'm going to cast the guy that wrote that book that story. Ben Stiller. He's ballsy. To put that to to be like, I'm gonna have a white guy do blackface in a movie. The actor that does it. So had it been any other had it been an actor with no real chops in Hollywood, right? A guy that hadn't been in multi-million dollar movies that didn't have other movies likely lined up where it's gonna be a ton of money and you know That wasn't Iron Man. Right. He wasn't Iron Man yet, was he? I don't think so. Or it might have been like right so around. So this like Tropic, Iron Man Tropic been Thunder is what brought him back. Being in blackface is what brought him from. He was that's like kind of the movie that brought him back into the world. Like he was he was like a Hollywood outcast because he had gone so crazy. He had broken into people's houses and done some crazy shit. Yeah, I, don't know. I so think Tropic Tropic, Thunder I think, is like 2007. Then I think it's, it might even be before that. But I, I think uh, your timeline's off. It yeah, might. Yeah, I mean, it might be. But I think Tropic now. Thunder was the movie that brought him back into. So uh, you don't you Hollywood. don't agree? So for you, being blackface isn't a big deal. So then, <laughs> I, I get it. Not, not a. That's Tropic not a Thunder is 2008, and I'm sure that Iron Man, Man was well was before that. that. No, think, no, it's, it should be around the same time. No, I think Iron Man was prior to that. Iron Man, film number one, 2008. He was on a hot streak that year. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. he had a. Which was first? It, hmm. Hmm. I mean, obviously, they both were worked on at the same time. Right, right, so. or around You're the right. same time. He just was feeling it. He said, I'm about to be a Marvel superhero. So, Fuck two it. movies where he. Uh, Disguised himself. He disguised himself. So in one movie he was Goldface, and the other movie he's Blackface. <laughs> All right, but going going back to the, the, the bigger point. So you don't. So think I was, would say I'm not. I'm. You're not impressed. You guys seem to be big fans of Blackface. No, no, no. I, I, I <laughs> you am, have deep respect for this guy that does something that is widely considered to be you're, extremely you're, racist. You're trying to flip it because you're you're saying you saying it's not a big deal. It's like oh that's fine. I'll just go do some blackface and nobody will be mad at me and it'll be okay. <laughs> no, if I did, I'd, I'm sure I'd have a lot of. Issues. Well, what's the difference between you and Robert Downey Jr. doing I'm blackface? I'm not getting paid millions of dollars. Three, what's that? Listen, the movies were released three months apart. Iron Man is three months before. Before okay. Yeah. So Iron Man was his breakout. Like that was like a prepared. Bomb. Gave him. Gave him the street cred right. for Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, is what it is. But going back to his martial arts journey <laughs> after bla having the balls to do blackface, even though you don't think it's that brave or risky. I don't think, I don't, I don't think you, there's anything an actor can do that could be considered brave, unless they're doing their own stunts. I was about to brave. say, Tom Cruise hangs off a mountain. That's brave. Yeah, doing know. your own stunts is brave. Nah. Acting, nah. no matter what, how you're acting is not nah. brave. Brave in the I get. He's not taking the hill. He's not a Navy SEAL. All right, so let's brave. not use the word brave. Okay, so Impressive. risky, risky for his career. That was a career choice that could have cut very differently. Maybe. I think it was a totally different time. 
I think, and that's why they're saying that probably couldn't be done today. Because like Ted Danson did like the real blackface. So do you think well, it wait, would wait, be brave? You don't remember when Ted Danson did the real on, blackface on when Cheers? He, no, when he was dating Whoopi Goldberg. You don't remember that? No, Whoopi Goldberg's black. What do you mean? No, he dressed up in like traditional blackface, like the really racist one with the white lips. Yeah, and... he did the whole thing, and it was like a big deal. So Is you want to call the... somebody brave? Call Ted Danson. Brave. Wait, wait, I don't remember this. Wait, I'll so again, you see, he's got. Deep knowledge. It might be that <laughs> newsletter that, that they pass around. Hey, guys, throw your support around I just behind Ted Danson. I remember the, the controversy. So Ted Danson is a... Ted Danson was in a movie with Ruby Goldberg, right? Where there was his girl. No, they, they, they dated, dated for, for real. Oh, yeah, that and was... He, the, yeah, while, he had a pass, man. He had the <laughs> darkest of the dark women. That's, and that's, <laughs> that's my argument about this guy. My, me? His... He masks his racism with, <laughs> with his family. With, with, with children? <laughs> he's like, come on. He's like uh, Tim Watley in Seinfeld. He converted to Judaism so he could make the Jewish jokes. I got gotcha. you. You know? Nah, you know what? I'm, so you're saying I'm trying to tear it down from the inside? Mm hmm. All right. The true Whoa. racism. Right. Wait a minute. That's, that's a double entendre. I, I did that this morning, by the way. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> That's why I got here at 10.03. Three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've been married for 10 years. You've been with the same woman for so, 15. Three minutes. Don't be so generous. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like an eternity for her. Anyway, going back to the, bra the bravery of... Uh, the bravery of doing black Of RDJ and MLK. Right. Right? So, not the bravery, but, the, you know, not, I would... I would have likely had been, if I was his manager, I would have advised him. Might, might not have been the smartest thing to do with what might be coming up and who goes to the movies and how you could be perceived in certain cultures. But he did a fine job. I thought he did. He was awesome as Sergeant Osiris. I think the movie was hilarious. And I'm going to rewatch it again soon. But his martial arts journey, which is what this podcast is about, Tim. I don't know. Let me get you back on, on You're the task one that brought here. up. All right. Bravery and blackface. It was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about all the martial arts issues, questions, and problems are all things that happen in life. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you know, he talked about, like, you know, Wing Chun is very guard your center. You know, how you have to guard your center in life. But he's right. Like, what issues can be thrown at you in life that haven't been thrown at you in jujitsu or Muay Thai or fighting? Mm -hmm. Clearly not in the same way. Like if you're getting a letter from the IRS, you're not going to like, that's not a direct question. But if you get a letter from the, uh, from the government the other day, right? Like Chuck D talks about, it's all on how you respond to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, are you fighting or are you flighting? You understand how to solve problems. Yes. And control yourself and control your emotions under stress. Right. Cause the question it's life is in like Rowdy Rowdy Piper says, you think you have the answer. And I changed the question. And that's what, <laughs> that's what he said, where they figured when Piper's, you don't remember that on Piper's pit? I don't remember that, that episode. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send uh, you a clip of that. So I thought that was interesting when he was on Rogan talking about that, that the martial arts environment, the martial arts in general, gives you things that other modalities of working out or training don't because of that ever-changing question. Whatever the martial art happens to be, mm -hmm. karate, Wing Chun, Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai, MMA, the, what's the, what's the ever-changing question 
in powerlifting. Well, how much can I lift? How do I get to that lift? It doesn't. How do you lift more? How do you lift more? But that doesn't change midway through the lift, right? The question doesn't change. It's the, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. Whereas in most martial arts environment, the question is asked and asked again and asked again. And the answer is a continually mm -hmm. evolving and, and, and changing one, which prepares us for so much more than those other modalities from a non-physical side. Yeah. Um, I just wish he would train jujitsu. That would be awesome. Hope I bet you Rogan jumped all over that. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't listen to the in, in private. I bet. Yeah, they, yeah. Know, just trying to get him the train. Yeah, I think he should have. Uh, when he was talking about his sifu and the rooftop fights and shit like that, and I, they, I, I think he should have because normally he would call people out on that, but I think he was a little starstruck. So he's clearly a big fan, and he treated him as such. Yeah, and that's cool to see. A guy as big as Rogan being a fan of somebody bigger than him, just in, you know, a little bit, but whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, if you didn't check it out, at least check that clip out. I thought it was interesting, and that's what really proves that from a life skill standpoint, there's nothing like training the martial arts as long as you have the ability to jump from your physical training to the real world in the sense of being prepared for the ever-changing question that is life. Especially if you're a drug addict. I think it can offer a lot of like, uh, so specifically speaking of why it's good for drug addicts is because it, again, it, re it gives you rewards, constant rewards. It puts you around a, a healthier group of people. For sure. You know, um, to be a drug addict, you can live like the most dysfunctional, unhealthy lives are actually required to be a drug addict. You need to like live an extremely dysfunctional right, there's life. Very few functioning <clears throat> drug addicts. I know one drug addict that functions, mm -hmm. but doesn't live a traditional life. Right. And you can, um, it sort of forces, like being addicted to jujitsu and martial arts, you have to sort of have your life together, at least functional enough to get to class. You know what I mean? Right. Like you at least have to have enough money to get gas in your car and show up relatively you know, on time, a place to sleep food to eat right you know so if you're gonna get addicted to anything yeah and it can be it I, I don't i've never been addicted to drugs thankfully hopefully never will be but what it's you've been addicted to caffeine i am addicted to caffeine right yeah. but I, you get but you also see that you understand that it's possible to take a step back from it 100 go through the pain of the withdrawal yes and you know some things are harder on withdrawal than others but have you ever done a caffeine cleanse like yeah cleanse so to speak like gone a few days without it i've gone a few years without it when i i used to be really into coffee and then i was drink i was drinking these like uh this is back when ephedrine and caffeine was legal so i was drinking these speed stack drinks like two or three a day because i worked at a gym right and then i remember drinking one and going to train uh jujitsu and it was in the summer and I almost had a heart attack in the middle of it. Like, uh, like after the round, I was like laying on the floor. I felt like I was going to die. And I didn't have any caffeine for like five years after that. Um, the and then I, now I'm back into coffee. So I do, I do coffee, but I don't usually mess with the uh, hardcore stimulants. I at one point was loving caffeine so much that I had like a pill of no-dose. Pill, those no-dose pills, mm -hmm. the caffeine pills were just like, all right, I'm just oh, going to so bypass you're it. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely a drug addict. For sure. So you you basically went from... Illegal, coffee illegal drugs right but you went from you're the same as like somebody that gets an opiate and then moves to heroin or somebody that goes from snorting heroin to injecting heroin you went from drinking and sipping coffee and having a nice espresso like a sophisticated person 
to pop in. I'd no, have my to pinky pop in out. No dos like yeah, a trucker this yeah, time. Yeah, you're to stay you're up you're, all night. you're holding an espresso cup like a gorilla. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is what it is. So yes, but the withdrawal, the first two to three days, and that for me usually takes two or three days, are brutal. When coming yeah. off caffeine, the headaches, the mood swings, but then the clarity kicks in. Mm-hmm. How things just become so clear after and you realize okay you can make it my understanding of how the and i forget the, i think it's adios andiocene or whatever some the, whatever the receptor is that the caffeine gives you that energy adenosine adenosine i think that's it at a certain point you know you take in a little bit and it fills those up and then you can take in a little bit more and then you kind of reach a ceiling mm-hmm. so no matter how much more caffeine you take it doesn't do yeah. any more for you but like going without them really, really kicks your body into this weird state. And it was, I couldn't imagine if that sucked, there's another reason not to do drugs like heroin or opiates. Yeah. Um, I've heard that the performance, like caffeine is a like one of the few like proven and studied performance enhancing drugs. And uh, the performance enhancing dose is like 40 milligrams. Okay. And over that, it can be, be it can become detrimental. It can make your heart beat too fast and stuff like that. But like a, a, a small dose gives you a, a increased energy and focus and stuff like that. But like like over that, it can become even worse. Right. You know. So like once you load up your like if you take that's why some of those pre workouts that are like three hundred milligrams of caffeine, it just like overload. Yeah, you know? and we talked about this one before. Jack three D. Yeah. It was basically a molecule away from methamphetamines. Yeah. You know, the Chinese are out there, you know, reconstituting things to, to sell to us. I'm doing a, I have to take a, like a physical and blood test tomorrow. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm not going to eat fasting from last night until tomorrow morning. Not a, are you going to work out or? I already worked out this morning. Nice. How do you and feel? I might train tonight too. Good. Um, I feel good right now. So. And you just. I, the most I've ever, I've never fasted longer than 24 hours. This will probably be like 36 so you'll get a good idea of what all of your lipid panels are and your blood sugar levels. Hopefully. hopefully. Are you going to get test- your testosterone checked as well? No, this is just like a basic physical. All right. Um, well, last good, time I good got a blood test, I we had- w- We want to know what your numbers are. I had high cholesterol. Col- cholesterol. High what? Cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> I had high cholesterol last time. Excuse me? But I, had e- but I had eaten like four steaks and six eggs the night, like, you know, 12 hours before. Is there a direct one-to-one correlation I think between like a, your- Yeah, I think- when I talked to uh, Dr. Carl, I asked him, I was like, if I eat a bunch of steak the night before, can that make my cholesterol be higher in my blood? He's like, yeah, probably. So, right. there's, there's one doctor's opinion. Yeah. Speaking of doctor's opinions and stimulants or the opposite of stimulants, which are... Depressants. Depressants. Why did I get, when, was marijuana depressant? Yep. Okay, so... Can be, I think. We both read that article on i think it was bjj eastern europe or one of those one of those sites where one of those shitty jujitsu <laughs> i thought it was an interesting article where yeah. he, this student trains at the at gracie university which is run by huron and henner gracie and i don't think you could get any more traditional than their school mm-hmm. and he also cross trains at 10th planet the 10th planet headquarters which would be the almost exact opposite <laughs> yeah. of traditional traditional jiu-jitsu. And he really breaks down cultural differences, training differences, 
te- teaching differences. I thought there was an interesting article, but also uh, another brave soul out there training at, tra- <laughs> <laughs> training at two schools. And apparently uh, the instructors at both have no problem with either. Yeah. I mean, the instructors at both probably don't even know who the guy is. <laughs> I, I did they, did it say who it was did they have his name attached i think to he's it? the guy that wrote the article yeah but his okay, name is attached to the article okay. and what did you think of it what do you think of training at two schools at the same time um i think it's it's unrealistic for the average person somebody with a nine to five or yeah i don't know who this guy was um and if i was gonna yeah i don't know um I don't. I don't think it's a, in general a good idea. I think you should kind of pick something and stick with it. Not that I have an issue with like going to other schools and training, right? But it's it, just from having two people trying to teach you how to do stuff, especially like. But they're on two sides of the jujitsu spectrum, typically. Right. So if you want to do, you know, just self defense jujitsu with Gracies and then learn how to smoke weed and get into conspiracy theories and and use do crazy warm ups, right? Then you can go to 10th Planet. You know, I don't know. I would imagine the guy, I don't know. It seems to me like he's also, he's picking like the the two trendiest sort of schools to get into, you know. And two, well, I guess 10th Planet is a lot more. For a beginner, I would say, I would recommend if you had to choose between those two, I would choose the Gracie Academy because you'll learn the basic concepts of jujitsu. And I don't know what, the way he described 10th Planet sounded kind of crazy to me like the way that all like their class is based on these and i've seen those warm-ups those warm-ups are like high level intricate movements and i don't know and understand how you teach a beginner how to do those warm-ups without like an understanding Maybe Eddie of, bravo is just a way better teacher than you it's possible um but i i've and i don't really understand the the whole point of the those warm-ups either they're called warm-ups, but they're just like intricate sequences of drills. It's they're forms. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. grappling form. That and he know. says there's like 36 of them. So you have to know all of them. It, it's an so from if you were to systemize grappling, there is a way that approach right there is one approach where you could say this is our system, right? And they tell you this is the tenth planet system, and part mm-hmm. of that system is these intricate flow. I don't know if they're flow or not, but these warm that's what they are. like when you if you ever watch them that's what they are they're like flowing through like constant transitions and positions um and i don't i i, I don't understand what they're doing with it because it's if you're just te- using those to teach people like how to move their bodies and certain things but but they're also they're very unique to that system right so if you're not going have you come across many students that have come to your school that have been 10th planet guys i've had a couple right um I wouldn't say a lot. What's your What's your opinion of the Tenth Planet? I mean, I don't think it's. I think jujitsu is jujitsu. Like, there's going to be good guys that come out of any school, right? Um, but with Tenth Planet people, you kind of you, you in general know exactly what they're going to be trying to do. They're going to either do rubber guard, right, or half guard lockdown and heel hooks. That's like um, they've gotten so like back. Other than Eddie Bravo, right from back in the day, mm-hmm. who was the their best competitor? Like he was their best competitor, right? He was the guy at the front, and nobody ever. No, the best competitor was this guy Denny. 
Prokopikos? He, I think he won like a Nogi Worlds at Brown Belt. All right. And then they've had the guys, but I don't really consider EBI an elite tournament. And I don't like if you, like if you structure a tournament around the rule set that you want for your school, it's, you can't really say like, right. oh, we're the best in the world. Right. But then like the death squad really blew them out of the water with that. Cause they would, you know, invite one death squad guy and they just run through just about everybody. Right. And, but they've, so back in the day it was basically just Eddie mm-hmm. and maybe Denny or whoever. Right. And every other jujitsu school was doing well too. You, you know, like, the, so, you know, everyone's like the guys at 10th planet seem so hardcore about 10th planet and this is the way to do it. But back in the day they didn't have for that to be the only way it didn't show up in the success. Like this is, this is better than what you're doing. I'm like, I don't necessarily, it's not, it's not showing up in a, a competition standpoint. Right. It's gotten a little bit better, but not mar- marketably better where you can't say the 10th planet is their system of jujitsu has taken over the world. The guy that's surpassed them from a systemization standpoint has got to be Donaher. For sure. Um, yeah. I don't like, I'm not a fan of like their, like they have some, some like in the 10th planet system. I don't even know if it's, it's an actual system, but like rubber guard has like some cool moves from yes. it. But to base an entire, it's like, you know, you're basing an entire system around half guard or close it. Like, you got to know everything. So I also think that they're basing it around the complications that they put into moves that only they do. Mm-hmm. Right? So sometimes you're like, okay, this this guy must be training at 10th Planet because only 10th Planet guys do this because they have this very defined sequence like they do in the beginning of class that works for them. But you don't see it happen. Like, when they go up against typically a more traditional jujitsu competitor or grappler, a lot of times those sequences just get stopped midway through the sequence where they can't do this seven step move to get into, you know, truck or whatever the, whatever the hell they want to call it. Right. Yeah. Like the, I don't like, I don't want to like talk bad about it. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not not a, a fan of their style or system, but they have some, like the one guy, John blank, he's really good. Yes. He competes in ADCC and like the other, he seems like really good and he's very well-rounded um and like i guess it's like anything else they're really good guys are all well-rounded um the people that i i've encountered from 10th planet are pretty predictable with what they're going to the do average the average jiu-jitsu guy say yeah they're they're fairly predictable with what they're going to do but i guess you could say that about the average jiu-jitsu guy in general right um it's what I i'm lo- i'm more impressed by somebody that can like uh you know take you down pass your guard and submit you or take your back choke you like you don't have to like i'm not impressed by people that scramble around and catch weird things like that's not i don't find that and my theory is on the the complications that they add are so detailed that if you're not spending so many hours on the mat doing those warm-ups doing those drills how many people have two to three hours a day average joes have two to three hours a day to dedicate to the complications that they teach to get good at them. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, whereas uh, a more traditional style of jujitsu in an hour and a half, you can get good at those moves and be better at than the 10th planet guy with the same amount of time, right? If we had two beginners and you sent same skill level, same athletic ability, and you sent one to 10th planet for a year and you send one to the Gracie Academy for the year, I would I would pr- likely like the jujitsu guy from the Gracie Academy's jujitsu over the 10th planet guy. 
I actually might disagree with you there. Like I might say in the first year, the 10th planet guy might, might win out. I, I, think, say, I think so. I said I would like their jujitsu. Oh, okay. okay. I, so the complications, the one year Gracie Academy guy might not be smart enough or well rounded enough just yet yeah. to deal with them. But as he goes into year two, three, four, and five, I think then that's I think, when it'll I shine. think, yeah, the, the Gracie Academy will have a, a stronger foundation. And then with a stronger foundation, you can build a, a much taller building. Right, bigger you know? pyramids. Um, yeah, I I don't I'm not a fan of Tenth Planet. I do kind of like I like Eddie Bravo when he talks about like conspiracy theories right. and stuff. I find him like a entertaining person. I think he's another brave soul because and he's again, you're using the word brave. I know very liberally. Well, if he's brave, what are like firefighters and it's different kinds of bravery? Paid, Police officers. Fire, firefighters are paid professional. Correct. Yeah, but you got to be really like you got to be brave to run into a building. To save somebody you don't know. You have know. to be brave to you say certain about. things out of no, your you, mouth. You have to be brave mm. if you're an untrained professional to run into a burning building. Yes. I think even if you're a trained professional, because you, when you're a trained professional, you know exactly what can go wrong. Right. Like a, a untrained pr person is just an idiot that runs into a burning building. So he's not that brave, he's stupid? Yeah, because a, like a, a, somebody that knows what can happen and still goes in and does well, it. Well, let me get back to Eddie Bravo's okay. bravery. All right. <laughs> <laughs> is that... <laughs> he decided to take his jujitsu in a path. Another guy, like last week it was Mark Lehman. This week it's Eddie Bravo that we're talking mm -hmm. about how they were either sh uh, shunned or were like, I don't care what the Brazilians are doing. I'm doing it this way. Yeah. In a time where not many Americans were applauded or were getting the successes of doing it their way. And he's built apparently a very big yeah, booming yeah. business, a bunch of affiliates, and people are loyal to him. He's a unique impressive person and he's he's got great jujitsu and he's even if you don't like his style of jujitsu or the way he sort of like i don't like the silly rash guards i don't like a lot of stuff about it agreed but that's just my personality yes, it's not yeah. like i don't have an issue really with you don't any, know fashion yeah I get real it. quick right. was 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 with the rash guard they just wear like it's everything's like intergalactic like they look like skeletons so, so it's a um 10th planet is like a school for people that are really into weed and psychedelics and if you you can usually look at a, a person when you walk in you'll be like oh that guy's from 10th planet that guy's from like if a guy's from if a guy's got like shoulders sticking out like this <laughs> and his traps are up to his ears he's probably from Atos. if a guy's like oh, that's the steroid guys if a guy's like you know six foot tall 110 pounds with his like arms hanging down to his knees and he's got like an intergalactic spaceship rash guard on he's probably from 10th planet and he oh. smells like weed he's got like a curly afro and he's a white guy is that the <laughs> high rollers thing somebody from the school I, just told me that you could that there's a they win like a, you thing win like a you pound of weed yeah, yeah. i heard that yeah. i it's i mean i'm assuming it's mostly 10th planet guys that enter it <laughs> <laughs> and win it but uh yeah it's yeah. Where was I? I don't. I don't know where you, you kind of went off on this silly tangent about Tenth Planet, how to recognize who's from where. Yeah, yeah, you were just naming stuff that you didn't like, and you said silly rash guards. I don't like silly rash guards. Yeah, um, but Eddie Bravo and what he's done is awesome because he's spread jujitsu. He's made jujitsu a bigger thing. Agreed. The interesting part is he's his most famous match is his submission of Hoyler Gracie. Mm -hmm. All the complicated 10th planet stuff went out the window. It was just a basic push-pull, <laughs> jump a triangle. Yeah. Right? Because 
because he he did all the he did the lockdown he did the I, actually the first match all the tenth planet stuff didn't work second match all the tenth planet stuff gave Hoyler fits yeah yeah when they were both you know 40 50 years old I got you but still but um yeah the first the first match Hoyler cut through it pretty but, easily so there's my point that Eddie brought so Hoyler kind of stayed as good as he was or maybe went mm -hmm. down but Eddie fine-tuned his craft taking jiu-jitsu in a different direction and it showed you that yeah. the 10th planet moves could work when all that time was dedicated to making them work yeah i don't i don't doubt their techniques i just like uh i'm just not a fan of it right so we had one one guy that used to train at the school that he i was trying to squeeze some of the 10th planet out of him because mm -hmm. sometimes he would get into these moves when it wasn't necessary to overcomplicate something mm -hmm. i was like you're on top why are you diving for this move that puts you on bottom and if you don't get it it changes the whole complexion of this of this match or this role. Those are some of the things that at least how he exhibited what Tenth Planet was teaching was kind of I, I didn't appreciate. Yeah, and um, Gordon Ryan did a breakdown of the rubber guard, and he was describing why it's not like a very effective form of close guard. And he says like for mo almost everything in close guard, you need to have a certain angle and ability to move. And with like rubber guard, you're locking yourself directly in front of a person and you can't create an angle. To, so you can only do things straight on, right. which in, in jiu-jitsu is very hard to get almost anything straight on with somebody. You almost always have to get underneath them and create different angles. And he was, it was, it, that's, because I had always wondered, because I, I had used some rubber guard stuff before and I always felt like it was like, I was stuck trying to hold on to the rubber right. guard instead of like being able to do stuff. But then again, there's a guy like Vinny, who he's considered a 10th planet guy now. Magalesh. But he originally is from the Gracies. Yes. Um, he was a black belt world champion before he started training there. But he uses a lot of rubber guard stuff. But he also has a, a, a deeper... A super strong foundation. Right, a traditional foundation. Where he and was, he's a physical freak. And he was at a world, he was at a world level before he got there. Yeah, he was a world champ before yeah. he, he did it. Speaking of world champs, what about the UFC 246? Champ champ. Alexei Olnick? Well, we'll get into that because that was that was impressive. <clears throat> Pardon me. Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. Greatest fighter of all time. I, what? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, hold on. Don't, don't Donald Cerrone is the greatest fighter of all time? No? No. What did you think of the fight? I thought it was awesome. I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Can we say that about every fight before it happens? Yeah, okay. especially me. <laughs> I'm never right, but um, no, I thought McGregor was gonna win, but I, I said didn't. by KO, and and in my head I kind of thought like if it was gonna if it was gonna be McGregor it would be early in the first round or the first round, but I didn't think it would be that like one sided and just like yeah. destroyed him. Yeah. It was and it was awesome to see him like just using such a like a unconventional weapon like a those, move those, those a, shoulder strikes a move that like. There's, like I've seen it done before, like John Jones hits shoulder punches really hard. Right. He even does it, and GSPs use them on the ground and kind of rough people up. But never with that but level change in that pop, right? But I've never seen it do damage to somebody's face where it like busted their nose open yeah. and like he used it like a real cocked back punch, like a punt, like like yeah. his arms were just that short. Yeah. I think there was a perfect storm there of him being shorter, the angle they were at, like it would. He took advantage and made that decision at the most opportune time to make it work. But not just that, but um. If you watch the way McGregor moves, just in general, he has such like uh, good control over his body movements 
and like his muscular control that like an, like Donald Cerrone wouldn't be able to generate anywhere near them the way how stiff Cerrone is he couldn't generate anywhere near that amount of force in that shorter space with his shoulder but the way McGregor is able to like sort of like move his body is how he was able to generate that amount of force in that space and I like this new McGregor not even just from in the cage I like this new out of the cage McGregor I appreciated who he was and how he built his brand with everything that he did before. But this new guy seems like he's old money now. He's not new. He's not trying to get money. He's um, old. But just hear me out, right? <laughs> he gave Cerrone the requisite respect, but still said he was going to fuck him up, but wasn't disrespectful to him. Didn't do any of the nonsense that you would, you were kind of expecting or some people were hoping for. And I, I think with everything that he has going on, legal issues, wanting to have more big money fights, I, I like if he continues down this path, I will, I'll be a fan. He, he seemed, won't. He seemed more mature and professional. No, he couldn't be. Why not? He fucking with a real dude. He to, he dealing with a person that's other people like him. So Donald yeah, Cerrone is cut from the same type of rough cloth. If he talks shit about that dude, a lot of people wouldn't fuck with him, and he did get humbled because Khabib whooped that ass. He whooped that ass, and we ain't seen him since. So how can you come back after you got your ass completely whooped, talked to like you was a little boy, say, not talk now. Want to speak now, pussy? Pussy? What can he say? You know what I'm saying? But when he starts talking trash with this dude, if they fight, oh, uh, what's the Spanish dude? Uh, Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal. You're going to see that old Connor come back. You think so? Yes. Because so, yeah, I mean, so he could use it strategically, right? He talks shit to Khabib, and Khabib is as rough as they get. Right, and Khabib but also, humbled that ass. But you're talking about Cerrone. Cerrone will admit that in the Diaz fight, the trash talk got to him. Yeah. The shit talk got to him. So if it's a strategy and not his real per new personality, it would have helped get in Cerrone's head by talking shit and doing all that stuff. We'll see if he would if he climbs back up the mountain, we'll see. It's yeah, yeah. easy to do it when you lose every I mean, he's got the money. But when you were looked at like no one could beat McGregor, but then you got beat. So one-sided. Like, no, you got fucked up. There's nobody just looking like, oh, if they have a rematch, you're going to do better. It's yeah. like, no, dog. You pick out these other people cuz guess what Khabib is going to do to you again? Worse. His striking's getting better. He's going to fuck him up. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I'm, they fight again, he's I'd be, be I'd, I'd be interested in that rematch. I don't, if I were, I don't want to see him fight Khabib again. It's not interesting. I think it is. I think I think, he, I think it'd be a much different fight if he can. If everything he's saying is true, if he wasn't dedicated for the last fight, if all the trappings of money were getting to him, he was showing up. He was not showing up to training sessions, or he was just like, all right, we're going to train in a half hour. If all that was true and he's rededicated himself, and he realized that part of his brand is also the dedication and the skill set that he brings, that next Khabib fight can be interesting because of everything that Connor brings. The athleticism, the fight IQ, his ability to, you know, like his, his ability to control range and distance. I'm not saying it's going to be a different outcome. I didn't even watch the last Khabib fight when he fought Connor. Didn't, no, didn't watch it. I wasn't big like I, I fought like you guys have gotten me back into the UFC one hundred percent. I was like, kind of out of it, so I'd be interested to see if this rededication to understanding that 
his all of his success is a big circle of everything. It's not just the money. It's not just the hard work. It's not just the mental prep. It's not just the shit talkery or the non shit talkery. It's everything. You take one piece out and you see what happens. Well, you know he's going to go to boxing, right? He should. That's what he's going to do. Now, when he listed his opponents that he might fight in boxing? Yes. Who does he want to fight? He in listed boxing? some opponents Mayweather, Pacquiao were two of them. And one of them Logan is some Paul. bullshit. No, no, guess what? Who? I mean, just as bad. Pauli Malinaji. Now, when a person adds Pauli Malinaji to that list that did, of people that don't that don't belong together, guess guess which one they're fighting? Pauli Malinaji. You name them other two people. You're fighting Pauli Malinaji. Those other two people. Mayweather, it was like Mayweather, Mayweather or Pacquiao, Pacquiao or some yeah. shit. Right, so but, it was like Pauli Malinaji is losing fucking uh, bare knuckle fights to people that you he that's a dude that he has a knockout chance with. Yeah, but that's also a. Because of the last fight and all the the drama that was drummed up around the video and stuff like that's a money fight, so it's not. Like he's do you, do he's you think, thinking smart. Do you think boxing people buy that fight, Malinaji versus? No. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, because it's Malinaji. Now let's say anybody he, will buy a Mayweather now, fight. Now let's say he went against Bud Crawford. He's not. He's not fucking with real. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what I'm saying, yeah. what I'm saying yeah. is, if he fights Bud Crawford or Spence. Or any come of those on, dudes. Come, come on. Derek, people are right. going to watch That's, that shit. I think the Malinaji fight would be a bigger fight. There's more. Well, right, but those those other fights he's talking about are way. worse fights. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> like, like, listen, bro. Like, listen. Yeah. Um, I would, I am not interested. I don't find the Khabib-Connor matchup interesting. I want to see uh, Connor fight guys like Masvidal I, or I, GSP or something like that. Not interested at all. And what? I want to see either of those fights. Khabib what? fight. I think Masvidal. I think Masvidal destroys him. Destroys think, Connor. Yes. Why? I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's a good ass fight. That's a bro. great fight. I, man, I, I well, like why Connor McGregor's you, punching power is stupid. I get it, but Mas, you know, George yeah, from the boatyard. Yeah, 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 you I know, know, like he's he's been in there. He's. I, I don't know, yeah, man. Like, Masvidal's a Masvidal's, scary guy. Masvidal's scary. an interesting guy, but yeah. he also like I was I thought about that too. And then I was like, Masvidal used to fight at fifty five too. Like, right. Masvidal's not a huge one seventy guy. He's a little bit undersized for seventy. But he's he's more he's mature. He's well-rounded. more mature at that weight class, though. Yeah, but he's also he's got a lot of losses. He's I mean he's at a hot streak in his career right he's now. He's confident right he, now, he's, right. and he's dangerous right now. Right. He's and, so confident right now. He's but, at the fight in the Versace so, robe. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so is McGregor. Right. And you and, never know, like, the same thing that happened, like, as Masvidal's never had this kind of popularity or money. He's never been the... He's never been the BMF champ. He's never been at this... Uh, he's never been respected or, like, as recognized as he is now. So you don't know what... He could be going through the same thing Conor went through. He might be, he might be like, relaxing and not training as hard. Well, no. Who are the other? Kamara Usman and Cole. I don't want to see. I don't think Yo, he does well against either of those Usman guys. Usman is a beast too, bro. Yeah. I think that this the Cerrone fight was the right fight at one I'll call seven. it right now. Go ahead. Connor versus Usman. KO. Connor. Shoulder strikes. Uh, you've been wrong. <laughs> First round. <laughs> shoulder strikes. Shoulder you're, strikes. You're consistently here, wrong with you. No, it's either it's going to be a shoulder strike on the feet or he'll sprawl and hip strike to the back of the head on the ground. <laughs> No strikes to the back of the head. Speaking of hip strikes. No punches to the back of the head. Oh, you can hip strike. Hip strike. Man, that'd be, it'd be. <laughs> or it could be a hip strike to the forehead as he comes in. Is that right? Mm. It's, it's yeah, going to be all. Kamara <laughs> Kamar Usman, George St. Pierre, they all have like, I, I don't, nah. 
I don't want to see those. I want to see him. I I'd like to see uh, Khabib again. I'd like. Well, I'd like Khabib to watch Ferguson. Him. That's the only fight I care about. That's well, Con- Connor Ferguson, I think, is interesting. Connor Ferguson Con- is dope. What you what? see? Do you see what Ferguson does to do? Like at the end of every fight, like the people that. Have fought Ferguson they're look terrible. Ultimately defeated. Like yeah. they're just like that guy. Just he would not stop. He's a ninja, man. I love that dude. Dude, he doesn't. He does not fight within the your normal fight patterns. He doesn't ever take a breath. He doesn't ever give you time to reset. He's constantly on you. Like everybody does this in sparring or in training or in fighting. All right, we're gonna t- we're gonna bounce for two seconds and then we're gonna get back to it now. But he they say just, he trains longer than anybody. He might, but he just disrupts everything his opponents do. That that is a way more. Int- I'd like to see him fight Connor before he fights Khabib. Oh, that made me sad thinking about what he just said. All that it just made me think of Pettis and how yeah, and, things and are Cowboy. going for Pettis. What man. he did to Cowboy too. Yeah, but it makes me sad for Pettis because Pettis is an interesting fighter that would win by like dope shit like. Jumping off, off the, the cage, cage and punching yeah. you, or jumping like a handstand out of nowhere to throw you off, and now he's like losing. And well, he's, a, he's he, a so that's the thing. He's a flashy fighter, but in like prolonged technical fights, he has trouble. You know, he'll get like outworked, but, but he, he also, can catch people in. But flashes. he also looks like he's while in the cage in this last fight, he looked uninterested. He didn't look like he wanted to win. He looked like he just wanted to be there. You know, and there was a there's a big difference, especially when you've been. I mean, he's been champ, so and now sometimes fighting on undercards. Oh, you're at the bottom yeah. of the of the main card now, yeah. bouncing around different weight classes. Well, he used to be in there with the he big, was the, he yeah. was the guy, right? I, uh, I I just don't think he's interested. He, the way he's expressing his fighting ability shows me he's he's not interested in fighting. Okay, that so, guy that fought him had very slick jujitsu, though. That was. That guy was super impressive. And he used one, he like pushed off the cage to get a takedown, yeah, was, which was that smart. Guy was, that guy was very impressive with his jiu-jitsu. Let, let me ask you this. Do you think it's possible that the Conor McGregor versus Masvidal fight will happen faster because they have this new BMF belt that mm-hmm. he would be able to fight for? Yeah. Because he's not going to take the belt from... Uh, Usman. From, Khabib no, or Usman. Right. So would it be easier for them to say, hmm, he could get the BMF joint that's the fight to make. And it's a money fight. Yeah. Right? People like who people who's wanted to not see Diaz. Watching that? People wanted to see Diaz Masvidal. Right? Who's not gonna want to see McGregor Masvidal? Of course. Oh yeah. my god, the trash right. talk. Right. It, if it goes it's if interesting because it Masvidal doesn't really talk trash at all. He just like kind of sits there and like no, listen, no, he no, listens no, to no, the no, trash no. talk. He talks trash, bro. And then and then he's like, no. see what happens. He's yeah, no, yeah, you yeah. know, he talks calmer trash because he definitely talks trash. He's like, man, I don't like that dude. When I catch that dude in Kroger's, when I see him in the supermarket, Kroger's. I'm yeah. on that dude. Yeah. I, like, Unfortunately, which, Conor McGregor doesn't go to Kroger's right, right, or, or like, any supermarket. Now, now, Conor McGregor has that loud yelling right. shit talk. Yeah. His is just calm. Like, I know, that's what I'm saying. He's not, he's not, he doesn't really engage too much. He's like, we'll see what happens. When I see him, he'll find out. Like, he, he just... He gonna talk it's like the shit. way he handled Leon Edwards. He's just like now Khabib is different. He's just like send location, yeah. see me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he can't. Kill you. He can't really speak English. Yes, yeah. right. But also, he didn't do. He didn't. He never came off the van when they threw the when he broke the windows. He stayed put. Listen, man, don't hold on to that. <laughs> do not. Do not hold he's, on to that bullshit. He stayed put. Yeah, he stayed put and I, said, and "I'm, I'm going to kill not, him." And I'm not a fan of what they did after that win, jumping out of the cage, possibly causing a riot. 
I mean, like, that part is sad in retrospect, but I like it. <laughs> if it was in the movies, I completely get yeah. it. But that was a, nah, that, that, terrible. For that's it. like a it's, it's that's a real terrible. dangerous situation. No, it's super terrible. But I think that what happens is, man, uh, who what president said this? We do not negotiate with terrorists. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Who's one of some some famous president said that right? We I do think not, that's just our our operating like the U.S.'s operating okay. procedure. Yeah. Well, in that case, when a person shows you that they're ready to get buck in any way, sometimes you have to show them like, bro. We could take this to levels that you do not, you're not going to be comfortable with. I bet you y'all chill the fuck out next time. Ain't going to be none of that shit when he, him and Khabib go again because they already know that Khabib's people is ready to bust off them AK 47. <laughs> did you, did you see what, what Connor said that he went to Russia and that people were just going nuts and clamoring for him? He said he went to Russia I mean, and, and Dana White doesn't want to do the fight in Russia. And Connor's like, we should, we need to do this fight in Russia. He goes, the Russian people love me. <laughs> Listen, man, they don't love him as much as they Maybe love Maybe not the Dagestan. Not the Dagestan. Uh, okay. There's a big a little difference. There's a little difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's right. a difference. There's a difference. So you said that dude Ferreira's jujitsu was, was slick. Very the guy, there was one thing that I saw in this UFC that I'd never seen before. And it was, uh, was it Yusef, Yusef Sadiqi? Was that Sadiq, his? yeah. Yusef Sadiq? Sadiq Yusef. Sadiq Yusef. Number one, physically impressive dude, right? I watched the second and third round of that fight. I've never seen anybody push off the cage on the ground to move their opponent away from the cage to not be able to run up the cage as a defense. Mm -hmm. It was one of the smartest things I'd ever seen a fighter do on the ground. Had him cross-side, pushed off the cage, pushed his opponent into the middle of the cage so he's less likely to use a cage runner, right, running up the cage to do the escape. I thought that that was, showed a high level of yeah. fight IQ. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, you if you get a takedown on the fence, it's hard to, to advance position on the fence. Sometimes you can, on a guy that accepts the ground, you can pin him on the fence and his guard or half guard. But anybody wants to stand up, the fence is always going to help him out whether they run up it or they use get their back to it or whatever. Um, so if you want to do jiu-jitsu with somebody in a fight, the best thing to do is to drag them into the middle. Um, it's way cleaner. Yeah, because you can actually move, and the person has nothing to brace themselves against to stand up. They have to just create space. So it, it limits their options. Um, but I thought he looked – he was impressive the whole time. He looked a little slower in the third, but um, – yeah, And I want to I get into that. So the second round, you could see that – I forget the, his opponent's name. Feely? Feely. Feely. He – did use the cage once and did that runner to escape when yeah. they couldn't, when it, it, it presented itself. Another interesting thing, and I, we were talking about this yesterday, was what I'm looking at now when I'm watching the UFC. I'm looking at the fighters, I'm looking at the fights, but I'm also looking at what they're doing in between rounds, how mm-hmm. their coaches are talking to them, looking at them, what they're looking at, how they're responding. And when uh, Lloyd Irvin was coaching his fighter, Gave him maybe a little bit of technical advice and then just said, man, go out there and get this money. Mm-hmm. You really have to know your guy well to yeah. know as a coach, this is something that motivates him. Yeah. That this that there's money out there to be gotten and that you need to go out there and get it mm-hmm. to keep that that fire going. It didn't, I mean, he didn't perform really well in the third. I didn't see the first round. So the second and the third. He didn't perform well in the third round, right. but clearly did enough to win the fight. Yeah. Um and that's like, cause I've trained down there and I've seen the way he coaches people and it starts like, it's how they train in the room. They train like that too. You know what I mean? They, they're, they have a goal. It's like, get the $50,000 bonus. You know what I mean? Um, 
he'll put he'll sometimes he'll even put like he'll give he'll give a bonus to one of his fighters if they hit a certain move in a fight he called he'll call it like the money move right he'll be like if you hit the one arm kimura you get ten thousand dollars you know um so it's just like a, it's a extra incentive on his guy to like perform well or to like not focus on like i have to win but I want to hit that move. Right. You know what I mean? Which is a better mind frame to go in with. It's like, I want to land this punch. It's not like I got to win or knock him out with this punch. It's like, I just got to land this punch, you know? Um, but the first round, it was interesting because that guy, Feely, was landing a bunch of takedowns. That's what they were saying. Yeah, I didn't see them. But Couldn't was keep like, him down. Like. Yeah, so they were like, basically, he the guy was wasting just tons of energy. He was just like getting him down and Sadiq would stand right back up. Pop Get him down, Pop stand up back super up. Super quick. Yeah. Um, and years ago, that might have actually scored for him, like hit, making him hit his butt. But now I think the way the judges score it, they don't score a takedown unless you control right. and land some punches on the ground. So so Feely made an interesting adjustment, it looked like, between rounds two and three, where he came out well, almost 85 to 90% of that third round in a southpaw stance. Yeah. And that worked way more effectively mm-hmm. than, his, than his traditional stance did from a striking standpoint. Yeah. So that was an interesting on-the-fly adjustment that he made to, in my mind, I thought he won that third round. Yeah, yeah. did it seem like uh, he got comfortable, like he thought he won? Because it didn't seem like he had any urgency when the guy switched, you know what I mean, switched positions. Who didn't I, have the I urgency? think Sadiq thought Sadiq. he was ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To the but he was also like, bro, pro- you're losing this round. Like, he was also probably a little tired. And then I think it's, it's I, I find that kind of stuff very interesting because like Feely probably felt like he was losing. So that allows him to just loosen up and throw. Where the other guy feels like he's winning, so he has to like tighten up and protect. So you can see like the guy in the it's like the in football he's playing the prevent defense. Right, right. And Prevents you see, you from and winning. You, and you see the other team just running down the field, but they're just kind of giving up ground to run out the clock, you know? Um so sometimes a fighter that has nothing left to lose, well you he'll look amazing in the third round when he didn't do anything in the first two. Um and then a fighter that's two rounds got two rounds in the bank. Right. He's just he just won't do anything. He'll give up a third. Just really feel he didn't have enough power to be able to to stop him at any point in that. Yeah, because in that first round they were connecting with each other, but you could see like when Sadiq connected, like Feely was hurt, and when Feely connected, they Sadiq were just, just walk through yeah. it. Interesting. Happy and, Martin Luther King Day, man. <laughs> <laughs> African fighters were on top of it. Listen, Jamaica. man, this is the thing with the African fighters. I'm trying to figure out this thing. It's this. Listen, I'm black, y'all, for the people that don't know. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. It's a ape-style <laughs> run-out that they do, that they do. They Listen, this is a real shit. It's how brave. I don't, I don't, no, 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 I can say this. I know, but I don't think we can uh, respond to this in any way. All right, so listen. Hey, Tim will be leaving the show for a listen, second to come listen, back in blackface listen, to, to be able to continue a, this conversation. It's a squat down. And then they come out literally low. And I watch Kamaru Usman do it. I watch um actually John uh, Jones, John does, Jones, it. Jones does, does it, right? Yeah. A dude did it Conor earlier. McGregor does it too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, it could be an arm length thing too. And he's got the long yeah. ass arms that make people want to do that. But a dude did it earlier. Was that the Osborne guy? He did it and he came out so weird and then jumped off yes, the ground and yes, did a yes, jumping yes, yeah, punch. Yeah. Where the referee was telling him either up or down, either up or down. I was like, uh, yo, yeah, this yeah. shit was like magical. And then he just got he choked say, out. Well, you know, some shit. No, no offense to NJ, but the Jamaican fighters really haven't shown us much in the UFC. Mm. The African fighters have, but the Jamaicans not so much. Mm. 
Sorry, NJ, if you're listening. I, again, I don't feel like I can comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I especially, like, especially with Gilly the King looking like over this, your shoulder. I like, I like all fighters equally. All right. All races. And you're accepting of all brown and black face. Uh, as long as it's not been painted on. Willingly done by white guys. If you're born with a brown or black face, I, I accept oh, so it. Both, all right. Okay. <laughs> what about Macy Barber? How do you feel about that? I was so happy to see her lose, and I had no idea. I've heard of her. Mm-hmm. There was something about her walkout that annoyed me. I like Macy Barber. Like and, I, I like her walkout. There was just there was she walked out and I go oh she, she thinks she has this in the bag yeah like this was I'm I'm just gonna fuck up this old white girl. But the thing is she so her maybe not her last fight the one before she was a similar fight she was losing a good amount of fight the girl was like outclassing her but once she landed a shot it was over. and that's what it looked like and Macy Barber the first time I saw her fight I wasn't super into it and then i saw the what she was like her ground and pound was so vicious and like i was very impressed with her ground and pound even with what the doctor claimed was a partially torn acl (laughs) she was still dangerous during that fight yeah right like with submission attempts but i also liked seeing like an old fighter like your librarian yeah yeah like it was cool to see her get a win when she was a huge underdog but um yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was a and, fun fight to watch. And just watching Roxanne Modafferi, because, you know, I have various levels of knowledge of certain things that if she doesn't exhibit some of the traits of people on the spectrum of <laughs> autism, and I'm not saying this to be funny, like, you know, just, she's got certain things where you could be like, I, if she has the diagnosis, I would not be surprised. Yeah. You, you know? She probably predates the diagnosis. Possibly. They weren't diagnosing people back yeah, then. With, the, with different things. Was that a chick that's smiling all the time? Yeah. 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 And she she got fucked up in that fight, too. Like, did you see her eye and face? Like, she had major swelling. No, no, no. Uh, Montefiore. Yeah, Montefiore yeah. had ma- major swelling around her nose. Roxy. Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne. Anyway, what about the old Russian guy? I love that guy. He's awesome. Yeah. I like, I like fighters that, like, don't look like they have a chance. Like when you watch, like he's so stiff and like old, just kind of like falling forward. His style basically went away after UFC number five. Yeah, but he's got he's got forty something wins by submission. He's got like seventy fights. His style went away after UFC number five. <laughs> Nobody yeah. with those kind of wins at that kind of level, and it could only work at heavyweight could do what he does you can't move that slow at any other weight class and get away with it and but i get- also like i i think the headlock is the worst technique in all of combat sports agreed um he seems to make it work he i i admired his like he went to the mount just so he could get an arm around the neck so he could jump back off to the scarf hold and try to crank the guy's head off like i like that he has kind of like a system around squeezing people's heads yeah. off yeah no, that's crazy. Yeah, um, it was, it was, but he actually, it also showed like if you're kind of just, if you just tough it out, headlock's not really going to do anything to you. It you just know, hurts he, a lot. He might want to invest in like a boxing coach. No. Nah, no? Nah? Cha- you don't want to, the guy's 40 some years old. You're not going to, what is he going to come out like slipping his head? And, yeah. <laughs> it's over. Just put him in, works. I'd say you put him up against a guy like Ngano just to, just, just for fun. Just to see if he could take that, <laughs> that, that scud Listen, missile. He's going to sleep. Oh, I know. I know. But it would, it would be fun to watch either way. If he was somehow able if he could to grab Ngano, get a hold of Ngano and get his head. But his takedowns don't even look that good. I've never, this is the first time I've seen one of his full fights. Like he pulled. He's just the guy. He just needs to get his hands on you. 
And if he can sort of like... He's got that tendon strength. Just drag you to the mat. Which is what he did. Even if he drags you on top, you can mount him and yeah. he can choke you from the mount. What do you think happens if Nganu fights uh, this guy again? Balls is hot. Remember that was the worst fight ever? Derek, Derek, Derek Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, yeah, remember it was like literally the worst fight I ever yeah. saw. Like, You think they would turn it up next time knowing it was I think, that uh, shit? Could be more of the same. Derek yeah. Lewis. Again, I think. Derek Lewis. Again. I think so. I mean, um, that nothing happened. But I want to see. He's going to fight that guy Rosenstroke, right? And Ganu is fighting Rosenstroke. Isn't that the next one? Oh, I'm the guy sure. from Aruba. Yeah. The team balance. Team guy. balance. Yeah. Our teammate. That's a good fight. Because he's like, that guy's like Derek Lewis, only like more technically sound kickboxer. And and Rose, what Rosenstrike did to, what's his face? Overeem. Overeem. Well, he's kind of, my under, I didn't see the fight, but he was losing that fight. And yeah. then caught him with a lightning strike that, did, I have you ever seen an injury like that in MMA where a guy's no. lip was, like, they talk about your lip is split, like his lip was literally split. Less than half, yeah. yeah. It was pretty bad. I have to get going to get to training. So no we questions? Can, no, well, we're going to shelve or table the questions for next week. All right. We appreciate everybody listening. This is the Ninja Rob Podcast. What's that? You want to balance? Yeah, I've been trying to train as much as I can. I might I've been, have my game in my car. Maybe I'll train. Yeah, I feel really good too. Like I, from a output standpoint, like I, even when I'm not like if say I'm not winning the training session, I always feel like against most of the people I'm going against, I'm less tired at the end than they are. Yeah, which is all right, great for me. And as I keep honing my skills, it's only going to get better and better. So rate and review the podcast. Peace. Tim and I would like to thank our sound engineer and studio owner, Devin Wade, for always doing a great job with, with the sound, but also the beautiful facility that we get to use here at SFX Studios. We'd also like to thank Eddie Lynn, who takes and donates his time to the podcast to do all the, uh, the video editing and everything you see on our social media. So really appreciate that from Eddie Lynn. And we'd also like to thank our friend Ralphie Darden, a.k.a. DJ Major Taylor, who gave us uh, the original music that we use. So uh, you're welcome, Tim. For and almost me. just as importantly as everybody else that he mentioned, we would like to thank all of our listeners that submitted questions. This is the Ninja Rob podcast with Marco Perazzo and Tim Carpenter, the podcast for the true martial artist.